to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. What to, what to all elite athletes, this is a rhetorical question, please don't yell out. Uh, what do all elite athletes have in common? I want you to think about that. What do all elite athletes have in common? We're going to get there shortly. First, I... I want to see uh, how you went with last week's homework. There, there was a strong and clear encouragement. And if you uh, weren't here last week, you didn't listen to that message, then you're exempt. Uh, but if you, if you were here, uh, we, we talked last week as we looked at our first pathway to life that we're covering in this series as we're covering three key pathways. And we described the Word of God is supernatural seed. The Bible describes itself as seed. And we have this extraordinary opportunity in the here and now to seed future harvests. And each of us, there is a responsibility for us to have a harvest in the future that is based on the seed we sow in the here and now. And so that encouragement, and so I, I want us to, if you missed that message, or you go, you know what, I didn't change anything last week, then go back, and you need to hear that message again. Honestly, it is profound what can happen in our lives as we allow the Word of God to do what it's designed to do. And let us be living in a continual harvest because of the seed we sowed yesterday and the day before and 10 years ago, etc. And so that's how we're actually designed to live. It's a pathway to life that we walk with Jesus on. So go there. And I've had some incredible conversations with people this week who have, who have, have taken their engagement with the Word of God to the next level and beginning to make choices in the here and now that literally will shape decades. And this, this was a choice I made in my 19 to 22 was where this came alive for me. And I live now in a harvest that I began to sow and continue to do that so that there is for years to come. And so let's do that together. What do all elite athletes have in common? Well, there may be a few other things, but here's a, here's a critical one, is they have a multiplicity of coaches, trainers, specialists that help them be the best. They're not the best by themselves. None of them. You look across all of, like you think of our top Olympians, they have a lot more help than the average person. You think about our, our sporting teams, the, think about, well, I'm a basketball fan, the NBA, the amount of trainers that work on these elite athletes to help them be at the very best. You think about uh, if you're an AFL fan, if whatever it is, you think about the UFC, that there is incredible amount of training that goes in and, and help from specialist coaches and trainers. And, and here's a few. There, there are strength and conditioning coaches. There are skills coaches, sports psychologists. They'll have uh, nutrition experts. There, there's specialist doctors, specialist physios. If you're in a team sport, then you've got the, the coach for the team. There are assistants. There are specialist coaches for the part of the field that you're, or your, your place on the team. And then there are, there are coaches through the ranks in, in the players. It's hardcore. So if we think about that, why do they need all of this help? Aren't they, aren't they just awesome anyway? 
Why do they need all this help? It is clear to be at your best, you need others. To be at your best, you need others. And the very best in the world have figured this out. To be at your best, you need others. So the best in the world actually open up for the most coaching, the most critiquing, the most training, the most feedback, the most guidance. They've figured this out. And in Christian terms, we could say they've opened up for the most discipling. Because even the very best hit ceilings. We have comfort zones, areas that we want to avoid if we're left to our own devices. And so we need people to help push us beyond that so we can be at our best. Because to be at your best, you need others. In 2017, who remembers that year? I don't really, uh, other than I, uh, I preached this, a series called Purpose and the Prize. And let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 9 here as we check out a couple of verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, we'll start in verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. So here's, here's the thought here. These athletes, and if we think about top athletes around today, they're so intentional about their training, their growth, their development, their coaching, their input. And ultimately, they do it for a prize, which is basically worthless in eternity, like a puff of smoke. We as followers of Jesus need to be equally intentional about our training, growth, development, coaching, discipleship input, because the outcomes for us shape eternity. So I believe for us, that we are called to have this elite mindset. To almost, I picture my Christian journey almost like I, I need to try and carry myself kind of like an Olympian, to, to call myself up to a standard because there is this mandate that has been given to each of us from Christ and ultimately we are stewards of the moments we have received, stewards of the gifts, of, of the time. And so for us to, to carry ourselves like this where we can make this decision that, yes, I'm going to continue to rise as an influencer. I'm going to take a hold of His goodness and His grace and I'm going to milk everything I can out of this life for His glory. This is how I believe we're designed to carry ourselves, not to see that as an undue pressure, but as taking a hold of what Christ has provisioned. Like this is for His glory that I shine, that others could see Him through me. This is for us to live, that I will press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. This is how we carry ourselves. And and to remember here that our growth potential is equal to our coaching input. Our growth potential is equal to our coaching input or our discipleship input. We grow to the level of our coaching. We grow to the level of our discipling. And to be at your best, you need others. Let's look at these three proverbs here in the Passion Translation. Proverbs 11, 14. 
People lose their way without wise leadership or without coaches, trainers, advice givers. But a nation or a life or a family succeeds and stands in victory when it has many good counsellors to guide it, many good discipleship voices to listen to and follow. Proverbs 15, 22. Your plans will, this is wonderful, your plans will fall apart right in front of you. It's fun to watch. If you fail to get good advice, we've all been there. If you fail to get good coaching or input before you made the decision, not after. But if you first seek a multitude of counsellors, coaches or trainers or advice givers, then you can watch your plan succeed. Proverbs 24 verse 6, wise strategy is necessary to wage a war or to take territory in your life. But with many astute advisors, with many specialist coaching voices, points of wise counsel, then you can see the path of victory more clearly. Here we see in Proverbs that our level of success or fruitfulness, or victory is connected to the level of advice, or counsel, or coaching that we receive. So you kind of get where we're headed here, right? Because there's this, this funny notion that can settle into us that we we need to be some kind of self-made man or woman, or just me and Jesus, We can do anything. And yeah, that is truth, but it's not the whole truth because he calls us into into community. So our growth potential is equal to our coaching input. We grow to the level of our coaching. To be at your best, you need others. And what tags onto that for us as believers, so to be at your best, you need others. And as followers of Jesus, others need you. To be at your best. To be at our best, we need others, but others need us to be at our best. So we are called into a connected network of life-giving relationships like Duncan just talked about. We're called to intentionally seek advice, perspective, Wisdom, discipleship opportunities, this is a pathway to life. Just as the Word of God, as we talked about last week, is a a pathway to life that we walk with Jesus on. And if we fail to walk on that path, we're going to miss so much of what He has for us. And then others will miss out on what God wanted to do through us, but what we avoided. Connected, deep, Open relationships are a pathway to life that we walk with Jesus on and with others. And there are points of revelation. There are points of unstuckness. There's greater fruitfulness that is unlocked as we walk that out that ultimately others will benefit from. I want to reverse what we just talked about for a second. So to live below your best, you don't need others. We stay stuck at the level we avoid coaching or discipleship input. Distancing from a connected network of life-giving relationships or avoiding advice, perspective, discipleship, this is a pathway away from life. And that is not how we are called to live. Because as followers of Jesus, we 
and others miss out when we settle below our best. It's sobering. Sobering when we look at that side of the picture. And that is not the picture for us. But there is this clash that comes this, this almighty clash between glorious biblical humility and trust, which it takes to dive into open-hearted, deep relationships. This glorious biblical humility and trust. And on the, on the flip side, we see this unbiblical pride or fear that would call us away from the type of relationship God, relationships God wants to unlock things with inside of us and then through us. And so let's decide again to choose God's way. Let's decide to dive into discipleship relationships, to dive into open-hearted community. This is a pathway to life. So I want to say thank you to so many of you here who have been a part of that journey for me personally. For over three decades, I've been on a discipleship adventure in this church. And there have been so many people who have been a part of that adventure. I remember in, in younger years, there were two particular times where it was actually a hardcore rebuke that I needed in community as I was beginning to walk off the path. And there were people that loved me enough to say the difficult things that are part of the reason why I'm here today. I, I remember there were some other times where I had a whole lot of hurt and, and stuff I needed to deal with. And and there were people available that I could go to and say, hey, I need to figure this out. Uh, we need to do this together. And so where I could repent before someone else and, and pray together and, and find a place of healing before God, but with someone else and then someone else who could keep me accountable as I began to build some strength in some of those areas. Uh, I remember connect groups and discipleship groups through the years uh, with Ash Holcren, lives over east, was I think my first connect group leader. And then Rob Picar, saw Rob up the back and when I just kind of come back fresh and messed up. And uh, Rob was there and then through the years, Stephen Kath, Jahor, I saw them today and, and John and Di Finkeldy and others through the years who have been able to speak into my world and we can glean from them as, we, as we're observant and watch and then ask questions about how they do certain parts of, of life. I, I want to encourage us that if you're not a part of a group, uh, there's nothing magical about groups. And if you if you kind of just go, yeah, we're not banging on about groups relentlessly because we've got a program we want to fill. Like if we start to get that mentality in church life, then then that's not how any of this operates. All groups are really just an opportunity for us to intentionalize a part of our Christian journey that's so important. Because we know life is so busy that if we don't intentionalize key things, they don't happen. And then it drifts. And so we go a couple of years down the track. Oh, wow. That just, and just where did those previously uh, in my life? It just is just in the in the blur so we have to intentionalize what's important because it's always busy 
There's always, always lots going on. And so if you haven't been in a group, dive into a group for term three. Jump online, find one that works for you. There's some that are meeting via Zoom. There's some that are in person. There's a whole mix for, for everybody. There's C3 College that's kicking up again with some incredible units. And there's a, a group learning framework that can literally be transformational even in your 60s or your 50s or your 40s or your whateveries. You can... Uh, Jump right in, man! I've been been blessed with Em and I over twenty years married, and and part of the the joy in our marriage has been the foundation that we built upon because we dived into every opportunity, every marriage training there was. We dived in uh, that we had hour upon hour upon hour upon hour of sessions, and the Mulcays were incredible back in the day with the pre-marriage stuff and then the post-marriage stuff, and and so dive in and be an open-hearted disciple to learn and build the things that really matter. I remember Seth Brooks, who's uh, with Kaz, is running C3 Northeast Portland over in the States. And he came in as our, our youth pastor. And I, I basically said, Seth, stretch me. I want you to whatever you want to do. Just I need you to grow me as in my late 20s and early 30s. And so he did to the point of like nearly snapping so many times as, as I was a, a high school chaplain and, and then running senior high as a, as a volunteer with like 100 kids kind of started growing that and then running a business and, and he was just cracking the whip and, and it built a capacity that was far bigger than I had previously because I surrendered myself to someone who was, had my best interests in heart but was going to be fanning it into flame. Man, I, I, as I started that business, Dave Metcalf, great guy, used to be here. Um, I said, man, I need you to help me in business. I don't know business, so, so teach me. And I got his advice before I started the business, not after when it's in trouble. And so wise counsel is always best before you do the thing that you really want to do. Don't, oh, it's, uh, sometimes we're three decades down the track from a terrible decision, angry with God. But he was like, man, if you could have activated my principles first and sought some wise counsel, then we reap what we sow. And so let's dive into open-hearted connection. Man, it's... uh, so many, so many people, I remember prayer opportunities and, and obviously we can't lay hands on anyone right now from a metre and a half away. Uh, it's diff- we could lay the pool noodle on you. Um, but so many prayer opportunities uh, where I've just come and, and surrendered again to God and this beautiful song at the end, I surrender my all and, and times where you're not feeling like it and you just come when there's a prayer opportunity and we'll have so many more of them. To, as the year goes on and another week of prayer uh, later in the year and transformational moments. And I remember the late, great Bill Leavers, who's worshipping in heaven, uh, him praying for me in this one moment as, as pastor of the church, I just said, hey, Bill, come and it's a beautiful old man, just pray for me. And I just, I wept for an hour. I ended up climbing into the font and, uh, and just sobbing and sobbing as something of the heart of God came afresh. And, and these, man, I have a robust time with God at home. But there are moments we have in community as we really open our heart that it's just because God wants us together because we need each other. We're so much better together. I, I remember in our succession journey, as Pastor John and I had said, hey, Jason M, I want you to take over the church. And we're like, you're crazy. Uh, 
prayed about it. God said, yes, so uh, here we go. And I remember saying to John, okay, I give you full permission to dig around in my life and anything you see, just go for it. And I remember one time we're sitting in, was his office, now it's mine, and he went there. But he went there in an area where I didn't think there was a problem. As he calls this thing, he's like, that's a character issue. And he just, he went for it. He, I think he was a little angry that day too. Um, but he went there and he was saying, there's a character. I'm like, give you a frigging character issue. Um, internally, on the outside, I was like, oh, yes, pastor. We've all been there, right? Uh, switch off. You're just thinking about what you're going to do later. And, and he just, he went and said, but then you've got to, like, if you give someone the opportunity, which we all should, then we've got to process it before God. And, and so I did. And unfortunately, God agreed with John. Uh, this was an area I'd been avoiding. And we all have them. And we justify it with all sorts of spiritual language sometimes. Our ability for self-delusion is endless. Which is why God sometimes needs someone else to just call something out. And it's horrible and glorious all at the same time. And, and so he went there. And, and So currently, I have four people who have got permission to dig into anything in my world and call me out on anything. Like where I've literally spoken to them and said, I give you full permission, anything you see that you feel like is walking out of step with God or a character issue or something where I can improve, then I give you full... P- and so... I have a question. Who is that for you? Who is that for you where you've had that vulnerability to go, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to think of myself like an elite sports person who has more voices speaking into their world than anybody else. And so I'm, I'm being bold enough and brave enough. And I'm, I'm realizing how precious this gift is that I've been given of this life. And so I need others to poke around. And surrender yourself to that. Some of us lean that way a little more and you go, ooh, that sounds exciting. Others just vomit it in your mouth and you're just (laughs) figuring out what to do now. We need this. God created us for this. We're better together. Hey, let's finish by talking about a dead man. Who then came back to life. It's Lazarus. Um, so Jesus did that too. Uh, Jesus lives on. Lazarus doesn't. He, he died again, you know, just in case. You're Sorry if that just upset someone. In John 11, and uh, we preached a bit of this on the 31st of May with the real Jesus life as, as I kind of closed out my part of that real Jesus series. There was so much, I feel like I wanted to preach for a year just on Lazarus, um, that, that passage. And we see such an incredible coming together of the power of God and the importance of relationships in that passage. And so just super quickly as we pull this together. Firstly, Jesus says, as they, so Lazarus has died. And if you, have, if you don't know this, if you're kind of new to this whole thing, Lazarus has died, he's in the tomb. It's like a 
a cave, car, it's like rock, and there's a big, big stone that's rolled over. He's been in there three days, so he's starting to go a bit stank. And he's kind of, he's in there, and, and so Jesus comes to, to do a miracle. And before Jesus does the miracle, he says to the people, he says to the community, he says to the church, hey, I want you to roll the stone away. So roll the stone away. So before Jesus does his bit, community does their bit. And so then now light comes into the tomb. And sometimes it may seem small what he asks us to do, but we are a part sometimes of just that little shard of light coming in into someone's world. So they rolled the stone away. Now Lazarus, who's dead in there, he could hear Jesus calling him to life in just a second. But the people, Jesus, Jesus didn't just go stone. That would have been super cool. If I was Jesus, I definitely would have done something like that or picked up three others and just juggled them with your mind. He says to the people, roll the stone. And so now, so those little moments where he says to you, hey, just chat to that person, send them a text. Hey, they're drifting. They need to hear this message. Maybe, this mess, you, you, maybe you live this message a thousand percent. Maybe it's for you to share this message with someone who needs to hear it. And so we were all a part of this for, for someone else so they can see the light. Next, Jesus does his bit. We can't create life in people. That's the Jesus bit. That's the supernatural bit. And so Jesus speaks life. He says, Lazarus, come out. So people were used to create this little bit of light coming into the tomb, to create space for them to hear the voice of Jesus. Because sometimes people have positioned themselves where they can't see or can't hear. And then he's like, come on, you, there's something in you that's been put in you by God that's going to help create the opportunity for then his voice to call them out of whatever it is they've been stuck in. Maybe a part of their life that there's death. And they've settled into that. Maybe there was a gift or a call that's now dead in their life. But you are a part of letting a little bit of light come in. So that gift that was laid aside, that Jesus can call it to life. And he does that. He calls him to life. And then Lazarus comes out. Zombie coming out of the tomb into the daylight, he's wrapped in the cloths that he was wrapped in to die. And he comes out and he's still wearing some of the old. It's around his head and his arms. And, and Jesus doesn't go, and like, blow, all those things go off. It wasn't this wind of the, this little, He says to the people who are gathered around, hey, you guys, I want you to get your hands dirty. Those cloths on Lazarus, they've probably still got dead skin in them from where maybe his skin started to decay. They, they stink. They're, there's been dead flesh in those. You go over. Take the grave clothes off them. Come on, take those things off them. And sometimes you can feel like, what's my part, God, in this? And, and maybe it's just coming up to someone with a word of encouragement. And that word of encouragement is literally unraveling some grave clothes from the past. It can be simple little things that happen in community 
that are profound. Maybe you baked someone something and took it over and it just released something from them that maybe I can be loved. There's a million different maybes, but Jesus releases life. We help each other live it. We're called to be in community. And so there are all different things for us to activate from this message. Maybe in hearing this, you go, there's a part of me that's stuck in the cave and it's dead. There's an area that is, or there's kind of dark, there's an attitude that I've allowed to just have darkness settle over it and I'm keeping it. Or there's a behaviour that I do in the dark. Or there's something that I'm contemplating that's saturated with darkness. Can I encourage you to hear the voice of Jesus saying, come out. Come out of that thing. That is not the life you were called to. Come out and come out and talk to someone. Don't just try and do a secret process with God. That, that's good and powerful, but there is something profound about owning it in community. And then there's an accountability that can happen there, which is liberating. And so come out, chat to someone, your connect group leader, a trusted Christian friend, someone and say, hey, can I just pray through this with you? Bring it out into the light. Don't keep that thing in the darkness. Or maybe for you, you're someone and you go, there's someone that I've got to roll the stone away a little bit. And because rolling a stone is not easy. Working with someone that's got a dead thing in their world is not always, you're kind of pushing the stone, but it's going to let a little shard of light come in. Well, maybe it's taking the grave clothes off, off someone in whatever way that could be. To be at your best, you need others. And as followers of Jesus, others need you to be at your best. Can you stand to your feet? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you have not called us to this alone. Lord, that none of us are left alone or called to do this alone. Lord, I thank you that ultimately you are for us. You are with us. You say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so, Lord, we thank you that it's in your strength, it's in your victory that we live. It's because of what you've done that we can do the things that you call us to. That God, none of this behaviour, none of these actions that are impress you, Lord, it's simply to live in the light of your victory. And God, I thank you that you don't just call us to connection with you, but Lord, you call us into connection with others to outwork the relation that is continually happening even inside the Godhead. Lord, that there is this beautiful relationship that you call us to with others here on planet Earth. And so God, we make a choice that whatever pride is in us that wants to do it alone or that pushes away from community, we make a choice to lower that before you. Lord, whatever fear would be in us, maybe where we've been hurt, where we've opened up previously, God, we're not going to let fear dictate. We're going to let you dictate. And you call us back into that place of trust. And God, you can heal the deepest of wounds. And so, Lord, we choose to hear your voice calling us out of any place where we're stuck. And we commit to each other. And we commit, Lord, to walking this pathway to life with you and with others. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.